Dwight for the invitation to come here today. We have been wanting to come here for quite a while. As most of you know, we've been traveling to Charles City for a number of years, Charles City, Iowa, and assisting a church up there. And many times Elsie and I talked about, why can't we just kind of swing around Kelowna and then head north or on the way back? And so we said, this is the time to do it. And so we had quite a journey this week already. We left Thursday and went to Tampico for a wedding on Thursday afternoon. And Friday we drove north to Charles City and Friday evening we spoke at a couple's night with about 63, 64 couples. And then yesterday we drove down here and visited Elsie's Aunt Eudora Mullet here in town. And so it was just a, a very good full trip to take today or this weekend. I'm always intrigued with the sovereignty of God. And the sovereignty of God means that God is over all and that God simultaneously sees everything that is taking place. And so we planned on being here today. And it's interesting how often it works with me is when I make a commitment and I told Dwight, I would, yes, I will be here. It seems like immediately God's spirit starts formulating something that I should talk about. And the reason that I say it's God's sovereignty because you have no idea how what I'm going to share today adds to what we've already discussed. Isn't that beautiful how God does that? One of the things that I'd just like to encourage you with, I'm looking at these four ladies up here that had these bells. And you know what I thought of? Yeah, I enjoyed playing that song. But I saw each one of you as a bell. What happens when one of you doesn't ring your bell? That's how important you are here to this fellowship. You realize that? Do you realize how important you are to this fellowship? All it would have taken is one of those girls to say in the middle of a song that I'm not going to play. Then what? It would have messed up the whole song. Can you today say in your heart that I will always be the ring, the bell ringer that God wants me to be? That, that's a deep question. Because see, what happens when there's disagreement among these ladies that are ringing the bell? And what happens when one says, I want to do that? And all of a sudden, one of them says, I'm out of here. I, I'm, I can't ring my bell when I want to. But when we ring our bell, 
at the time that God has appointed my specific bell to ring, that honors God. It's not about you deciding to back out of this. You're a bell ringer that can honor God and bring great completion to this brotherhood, can help with the harmony of this brotherhood. You know, if they wouldn't have played those, rang those bells in a proper sequence, we would have been clueless what song would have been played. That's exactly how God wants us to operate here at Gospel Light. God wants us to ring our bell at the right time to bring completion, to bring harmony. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <clears throat> Some time ago, at our Bible study at home, we were studying the attributes of God. And the attributes of God are, some of the attributes of God are so far above human capacity that we really can't comprehend it. You, you take, and Elsie and I are on a journey presently, and you'll see part of that journey as I share with you this morning. But have you ever attempted to, to, to try to figure out the mechanics of the body? I mean, how our body works together. And, and I'm gonna talk just a, a, a drop in the bucket of how that really looks. And, and yet we know that God absolutely knows everything about everything. And see, that statement we can't comprehend. We cannot comprehend a being that knows everything about everything. We can't comprehend that there is a being that is everywhere present simultaneously. Because we are so limited. Today, our brothers at home are missing us because we're not there. It's impossible for me to simultaneously be in Kelowna, Iowa, and in Topeka, Indiana at, at the same time. That's impossible. Not with God. And I left those Bible studies and I'm saying, if God is so far, above us, his capabilities, his capacities are so much greater than ours. How can I even relate to God? How can I even relate to God? And that was really the origin of my message today. And I'm gonna share with you how it's possible for us to actually relate to God and what it means then that God didn't just make it possible for us to have a relationship. There's something that God wants to come out of that relationship that is huge, that is huge. So I'm going to 
just simply going to start with that and that would and the scriptures would tell us in first Thessalonians 5 verse 23 that we are composed of three parts we're composed of spirit we're composed of soul and we're composed of body I am not going to at all spend an exhaustive time about about these this is a very very general view of our spirit soul and body and as I think about man, and, and I just simply want to say that the spirit is the spiritual or the eternal element of man. Every human being that has ever been born has a spirit. Every human being that has ever been born has a soul. And every human being also has a body. The soul is the human element of us. The body is the physical element of us. So what I'm saying is that the spiritual is the spiritual or the eternal element of us. The soul is the human element. And the body is the physical element. Now, that's very important for us to understand because this is going to, when we die, this part right here, and, and let's you think I'm not teaching accurately. There are times in the scriptures that the, the soul, the word soul and the word spirit are used interchangeably. But this is going to, the, the human part of us and the physical part of us, when we die, is going to decompose, cease to exist, and we will no longer be around. But the spiritual part of us is what is the eternal part of us. So sometime, all human beings that have ever lived are going to resurrect to life again because that, that spirit was always existent. Again, lots of things that we could say about this that I can't say this morning. Now, I want to say, I just am going to place an emphasis on the soul, and the soul is, if you study this, this is what you may, these are words that you may uh, notice in your study. Mind, will, and emotions. That's where the soul part of us is mind, will, and emotions. In other words, this is where we think. The will is where we choose. And the emotions is where we feel. So keep that in mind as we go through our service here today. Because I want us to begin to get a, to begin to understand how these three actually combine to make it possible for us to live the Christian life. And I'm going to show you today how these three are linked in regard to the Christian life. So as, as I think of 
spirit being the eternal part, the spiritual part, the soul being the human part, and the body being the physical part. Let's just think back to, let's just think back to some verses that I'm going to read to you. And we will begin to see where life exists. Colossians 1, verse 21, this is what it states. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind. Enemies in your mind. I'll read another verse to you, and that's in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, where it says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So we are beginning to see that this whole thing about mind and body are tied together because this is flesh right here. This is flesh right here. This is where we feel, think, no, this is where we hear, taste, touch, smell, and see. Our five senses are right here. Our five senses are right here. In our body is where our five senses are. But in the soul is where we think, feel, and choose. Now, I want to tell you something that we're learning. This may be, I know there's some medical people here today. And what's interesting is I used to think that in my body is where my brain is. And I used to think that, that my brain is my mind. It's not. My brain is not my mind. My brain is simply an organ that does a specific job, just like my heart is an organ that does a specific job. And really what happens is the mind is what controls the, my physical brain. The mind is what controls my physical brain. The mind sends signals to the brain, and the brain is the organ that makes it possible for me to stand up here straight. The brain is what is the organ that makes it possible for me to raise my hand. The brain is the organ that makes it possible for me to run and jump and play and do all those things because the mind keeps sending signals to the brain which then activates my body into certain actions. Into certain actions. Now, when I think of, when I think of that scripture that I read, that it, and this is what it says, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. <clears throat> so, when all of us begin this journey of understanding that the very core of our human humanness, the very core of our humanness, that we had a mind that was devoid of God's spirit. And I'm going to draw that up here because that is very critical for us to understand. 
what happens when a person becomes born again? When a person becomes born again, there is something that happens between God and my spirit. Because prior to the new birth, God and my spirit are not having a relationship. We are dead is what the scriptures. In fact, if I read the scripture. In Ephesians chapter 2 it says, And you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Meaning that there was no relationship with God and our spirit. There was no relationship there between God and my spirit. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We continually did what was evil. We had evil thoughts. We had, and those evil thoughts here produced evil actions here. So I want to just begin a journey here of saying, what does it look like? When God, Romans chapter 8, verse 16 says, God's spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are what? The children of God. And I want to say this very kindly to you today. I'm not judgmental when I say this. All I'm saying is that God's word makes a statement that if we have not been made alive by the Spirit of God. If our spirit is not in communication with the Spirit of God, we are not born again. That is the journey of the new birth. It's a miracle. The journey of the new birth means that God's divine Holy Spirit comes to us and makes our spirit, which is the eternal part of me, takes our spirit and makes it alive. Now there can be life from God flowing to us, and there can be life from us flowing to God. It's a beautiful relationship. <clears throat> and, and, and the reason I'm saying this is because sometimes we have actions here that are very good actions. Sometimes we have actions that are, we would say, he is just she is so good. She is so nice. He's such a good person. But you know what? If this is not in place, he is not born again. I can't tell you that in a more clear way than this drawing right here. I can't tell you that. It, you must. That's why the scriptures say you must be born again if you are going to know God. And this is one of the miracles of the new birth right here. Oh, it is so beautiful. That God, way the scriptures tell us. You go back into Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4. That verse tells us that prior to the creation that we were talking about this morning. Prior to the fall of man. Way long prior to the fall of man. God already had a plan in effect for this right here. Because we have to believe that. Because if we, if we don't believe that, that we're saying that God is limited in regard to his knowledge. And God is never limited in regard to his knowledge. 
So when I think about God's Spirit coming upon us, let's just think what the scriptures, how the scriptures speak into what happens with that life. What happens with that life? Why do you think that Philippians chapter 2 encourages us, teaches us about the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ. Why is the mind of Christ so important for us to understand? Because when we have, if I say that the mind is what makes it, that the body has certain actions, guess what? When we have the mind of Christ, then the body is going to have actions that resemble the thinking of Christ. Isn't that simple? Isn't that profound as well? Isn't that profound as well? Because out of my humanness, my mind dictates what my body does. So here I am. I don't know how many times this morning in, the ch in Titus chapter 3 that was read. Did you notice how many times it used the word works? And, and I'm not a works man. I am a works man, but I'm a works man in the proper sequence. I am not a works man that would ever think of teaching you that you can do things, enough good things, that some way God will honor you in regard to salvation. We can't, it's impossible. But I am going to say that the result of the mind of Christ in our human part of us, it will bring forth fruit right here. Visible, physical fruit that you can see. And that's how it's accomplished. It's accomplished right through here. It's accomplished with the Spirit of God Illuminating our inner being, making us alive. It's the very divine presence of God. I have verses, and you can go through the scriptures, and you can look at verses all over that talk about God's spirit. And it, like this, it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 8, He therefore that despises, despises not man, but God who hath given to us his Holy Spirit. That's a verse directly out of the Bible. Romans 1.9 says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit. Whom I serve with my spirit. God is my witness. Right here is where the effectiveness of the gospel takes place. Right here is where we can actually have a relationship with God because there is a divine being of God. I want to be careful when I say part. But the Holy Spirit is one of those inseparable components of God. Inseparable components, mind you. And that inseparable component of God actually is shared with us as believers at the new birth. That's where this life comes from. That's why we can live righteously and godly in this evil world. Because we have the divine presence of God that just gets poured into our inner being. And out of that, look how this whole thing flows right through our mind. And it affects our bodily actions. 
So when I'm over here, brothers and sisters, and I have bodily actions, physical actions that are sinful, that are wrong, that are not a proper ring of the bell. I want to tell you something. It all is related right back to how you think. It all relates back to how you think. Why do you think the scriptures teach us? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God. Because this is where the Christian life is, the, the actual actions of the Christian life. And when we take our bodies, and remember, the scriptures also teach us in 1 Corinthians 6 that our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of God. So, because we have what you see here, a body, in this body is part of me is spirit, part of me is soul, and part of, and what you see is body. So we can actually, the scriptures actually come back and would teach us that in this body is actually where God's spirit resides. Beautiful. It's beautiful for us to understand. Once I saw this journey right here, and look, how many people get stooped in a religion that this is not in place, but they're very religious. They're very religious. The religions of the whole world. Look, look at the millions of Muslims that do not have a relationship with God. that are performing over here, praying three times a day, but are never have been made alive by God. Now, many of them are being made alive by God. That's the blessing. Many of them are being made alive by God. <clears throat> Something else that I want to say about body. Colossians chapter 3. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, for Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection, you see that? Set your affection on things above and not on things of the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Then he makes this profound statement. It says, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. And it spells them out. The word mortify, what that word means, it means to deaden. In other words, the Christian life is always two parts. The Christian life is always two parts. We notice that it is God's spirit that makes it possible for us to be alive unto God. That's something that we can't do. We cannot make ourselves alive unto God. It's impossible for us to do that. 
Now that we're alive to God, this journey right here that I have drawn out for you, that's where we live. But right here, right here is where the temptations come. Because I told you that this is where we see, hear, smell, taste, and touch. So when I am looking at something, when I'm looking at something, at that point, the scriptures say, mortify your members. Deaden your members. In other words, if I am tempted to reach down and buy this pack of cigarettes, I walk into a convenience store, and I walk up to the cashier and I say, I need a pack of Marlboro Lights. And she reaches behind her, she gets that, she lays it on the counter, and I pay for it. God is not going to come and jerk my hand away that I will not pick up that pack of cigarettes. God will not do that. God will not jerk my hand away from pornography. God will not do that. God will not come and grab my hand so I don't buy that forbidden book. And you know, this morning in Sunday school, the question was asked, why didn't God just quickly run up and stop Eve and say, no, 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 you're making a wrong decision. Because right here is the whole essence of the Christian life. Let me show you another drawing. I would like for you, if you can, keep a mental picture of this. <clears throat> In James chapter 1, it gives us the sequence of sins. This is what it says. Let no man say when I am tempted that I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. That's verbatim right out of the scripture. So there's a sequence there. There's a sequence. And I want to encourage you that as you read the scriptures, this is a side note. When you read the scriptures, as you're reading down through the scriptures, and I did that this morning when I was reading in James or Titus chapter 3. So as you're reading down through the scriptures, I want you, I want to encourage you to read slowly and look at the words. Look at the words. Now, I was reading, when I was studying, I was reading this text in James chapter 1. And I was paying attention to the words because the context is the temptation to sin is the context. It gives a very clear, precise order and process of temptation. 
And one of the things, there's a word that I used in there. I said like this. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Now we all know, all of us adults here, most of us, as, or, or even the young folks, we all know that conception must have two parts. A woman cannot become pregnant by herself. And a man cannot do anything on his own to create a pregnancy. It takes a male and a female to come together and each have their contribution to conception. So it takes two to come together. When the scriptures uses the word conception, let me ask you the question. What two components need to come together? That was the question I asked myself. So when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So what are the two ingredients that come together? I'll tell you what those two ingredients are. Opportunity and choice. Opportunity and choice. Eve could not have sinned in the garden had she not had the opportunity to do that. Right? That's just a very basic elementary thing to understand. Eve could not have sinned in the garden had there not been an opportunity to do that. But even though the opportunity was very readily available in the Garden of Eden, there never would have had to be sin had the proper choice been made. Do you understand that? Now you're beginning to see that in the mind, in the soul part of me, is where I make my choices. You remember that? You see that? In my mind is where I make my choices. So every day, and I want to just simply tell you that right here at this line is where the Christian life is lived. Every day, every day, all day long, this is literally what takes place in our life. There's, there's so many choices that are made that are not even conscious choices. And one thing that I did not draw, I, and I have a, a separate drawing for that, but what's interesting is the mind is not just, the mind that I, had, I wrote up here, there's two components to the mind. And the one is the conscious mind, which is where we are right now. You are hearing, literally hearing me speak in a conscious way. You are putting the words together. You are listening to what I'm saying. And there's so many things that are consciously taking place. But you know what happens tonight when you go to sleep? When you lay on your bed, you take those deep breaths, and you just relax yourself in a matter of short time. You have fallen asleep. When you are sleeping, 
Everything that took place consciously today becomes part of your subconscious mind. Everything. It becomes part of your subconscious mind. In your subconscious mind is where all your habits are and all your, your entire memory. That's why tomorrow you can go back and you can think back to this message here today. And you can think of some of the sequences I talked about. You can think of some. That's because everything that took place consciously today now is in your subconscious mind. And as we think about living the Christian life right here, I want to tell you something that is very scary. See, if Adam and Eve, if Adam and Eve would have said, look, I am making a choice in regard to right and wrong, would have simply stopped and would have talked together and would have said, I am making a choice. The choice I'm making is going against God's command. You know what? It may have taken quite a while before Eve would have actually reached up and partook of that forbidden fruit. But you know, sometimes what happens is we don't make a conscious choice. And actually, what, what, what the neuroscientists that we study, what they say is you actually only have about three seconds to make a conscious choice. If you don't make a, a conscious choice in three seconds, your choice will be a choice based on the habitual patterns of thinking in your subconscious mind. And that becomes very profound. Because what if that habitual thought pattern in your mind is negative? What if it's negative? That's saying that, that's saying that if I don't make a conscious choice, if I don't make a conscious choice, I am going to revert back into my subconscious mind and by default, I will make a choice based on my habitual patterns of thinking in my subconscious mind. That's why it is so important to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Because if we do not live here and understand that our choices determine totally determined where I go in the future. You know, it's kind of like that song that says, sin will take you further than you ever thought you'd go. There's some more phrases that go along with, it will keep you longer than you ever wanted to stay. I think there's another one. But you know what? That's really the sequence. And what happens is choices are made, and then more choices are made, and more choices are made, and all of a sudden, we find ourselves never expecting to be where we end up being. And I want to encourage you today to truly think about your spirit being made alive by God's spirit. I want to encourage you to think how God's spirit then influences how you think right here. Because your thinking is directly related to your choice. Once I understood this, I want to tell you, 
it radically changes how you live your life. You know what? It affects the bell ringing. It affects the bell ringing. Because all of a sudden, my choices are for your good. And your choices are for my good. We are going to ring those bells right in harmony. We're going to be a contributor to this brotherhood that honors God because we have made the choice to do that. If we don't make that choice, we're going to be floating around in here just like pretty well meaningless. Yeah, there's going to be some satisfaction, but it's your choice. You know what? Friday night I talked about this concept to 63 couples. Your husband and wife relationships, the youth with their parents, it's all based on choice. We can say, and, and, and I want to speak very kindly about this, because there are times that way back in the subconscious, way back in the subconscious, things that take place to young boys and girls, those can be back there, they can be, you don't even know they're there. And certain things happen that resurrect those feelings. Certain things happen that resurrect those feelings. Remember I said, soul is where we think, feel, and choose. Then what happens when those feelings resurrect? What do we do with this word right here? See, by God's grace, we can make a choice to break all of those past ancestral things that have been part of our family. We can make a choice that all those things in the past that happened to us, we can learn how to bring them to Jesus and truly receive healing from the master physician. I'm telling you, I am learning that people choose to live in pain. That does not make sense. But in their mind, again, in their mind, it's too dangerous to come out and talk about the pain of the past. So they would rather live with the pain than talk about it. These are all choices right here. These are all choices right here. And remember, opportunity. You have the opportunity to do good, to live righteously. That takes place because you have made a choice to do good in the face of adversity. You have chosen to do good in the face of misunderstanding. You have chosen to do good in the face of being ridiculed. You have chosen to do good. If you remember, at the end of Joshua's life, Joshua got the Israelites together, and he said, my days are numbered. I'm going to be passing off of the scene. And he said, profile statement, he said, choose you this day whom you're going to serve. That's where life is lived, right there. Life is lived right here. In this line. When we have opportunity to do good and we don't do it, if we have opportunity to sin and we do it, that's all spelled out right in sequence, right all the way through 
the scriptures. Oh, brothers, let's be a bell ringer. Let's be a bell ringer that makes choices that honor God. Read in Philippians chapter 2. Go back and look at how the mind of Christ expressed itself in all the following verses of verses 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. You go back and read those and you can say, how can I bring my mind to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Because then I will make choices that honor God. See, we don't understand that every sin is a choice. We can't blame the devil. In fact, I'll tell you, I had a man. This may surprise you. When I was at Woodworking Expo in Ohio two weeks ago, and a man came there, and I say this for the glory of God, but he didn't want anything to do with the Expo. He wanted to talk to me. And that's what he came and he said, Delbert, he said, I want to tell you my situation. He said, I have, my wife passed away. And since my wife passed away, I have horrendous temptations to sin. He said, I am bombarded with evil thoughts continually. And he said, I'm always trying to shoot the devil out of my mind because I don't want those thoughts. He said, I can't. What do I do? It may surprise you, but you know what I told him? The very first thing I said to his name, and I said, you need to stop praying that God's going to do that to you. Because God is not going to take those evil thoughts away. You know why you have those evil thoughts? Because you have made a choice about your thinking patterns. I said, you have made a choice, and I said, I would venture to guess, and I'm probably 100 I would guess I'm very close to 100% right that those thoughts that you have are not new thoughts. Those were thoughts that you had way back here when your wife was still alive. And I said, you have a pattern of thinking about those evil thoughts. And I said, it's because you've made a choice. And I said, and then I, I spent 45 minutes with you. And in that 45 minutes, I simply told him how to get rid of those thoughts. And it's not by praying. It's by being intentional with your thoughts that you have. It's intentionally taking hold of your thoughts. And, and I'm just going to give you just a real quick clue. Let's say that you're struggling with evil thoughts. One of the things that you do, and you do this verbally, and you do it out loud, where you say, no, stop that thought. And this may look like human effort, but you know what? Didn't I just got finished telling you that the Bible says that I have to mortify my members? God is not going to come and jerk my arm away so I don't buy that book. Neither will God come and take those evil thoughts out of your mind. That may sound contrary to all the things you've ever been taught, but since I understand this right here, we have to be responsible for our thoughts. And so, no, I am not going to think those evil thoughts right now. Heavenly Father, we can say, I invite 
your presence to me. I receive your grace that you want to give to me. Remember? God's grace right here. God's grace right here. I receive that grace right now that I can live victoriously over this evil thought. You know what? Five minutes later, this thing is going to come back and hit you again. It's going to take you approximately 21 days until your brain over here is not going to allow you to revert back to that negative thought pattern that you have. And you know what? As you continually take charge of your thoughts and you say, God, no, I'm not going to think this. When you take charge of your thoughts, then God is going to begin the journey <coughs> of filling you with his spirit, which is clean, which is pure. Because you can't just get rid of thoughts. You have to get rid of those thoughts by having them be pushed out by the presence of God. And remember, right here is this presence of God. The, the actual divine presence of God is right here. I drew it out for you. And as we begin this journey of being responsible for our thoughts, our, I mean, responsible for our choices, then those choices will always go back. And you know what? God will show up. I'm telling you. God will show up. God will show up. And God's grace will come and will start manifesting, empowering you. God's grace will empower you. God's grace will empower you. God's grace will continue to empower you that you can make choices that honor God, that totally push out all of those evil, evil thoughts. This is an interesting journey, I'm telling you. This is an interesting journey. When you really begin to take responsibility for your choices right here, your life will change in a very positive way. You will want to be his bell ringer in harmony at gospel life. You can't wait to be that bell ringer at gospel life, all in harmony, making something beautiful. You know, it didn't take very long at all, and I understood which song they were playing because there was a certain rhythm that went with a certain song. And they were played in the proper rhythm. Why do we have confusion in churches? We had some huge confusion in our brotherhood and home in the last 12 months. It's because the bells are being, are being rung out of sequence. Why? The bells are being rung out of sequence. Brothers and sisters, right here is where we live the Christian life. Right here is where we live the Christian life. You know, I, I, there, there's so many verses that come to mind. There's so many verses that come to mind. Verses. I'll just read a few of them. I'm just going to read because of time here. I'm going to read you an Old Testament verse. This is what it says. I call heaven and earth... To record this day against you, this was a statement by Moses, that I have set before you life and death, 
blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. When you, excuse me, when you get into a very adverse circumstance, ask yourself the question, how can I choose life? How can I choose When you choose life, you're ringing your bell where it's supposed to be rung. You're ringing your bell when it's supposed to be rung. And then it says, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him. Then this profound statement in the Old Testament that says, for he is thy life. Isn't that profound? How much more in the New Testament do we have verse after verse? When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye appear with him in glory. 1 John 5 says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God in eternal life. Isn't that beautiful? It's all because we have been made alive by God and our spirit can respond back to God. And guess what? Out of that, through our humanness, through our physical body, we can honor and glorify the Heavenly Father because we have made the choice to do that. Oh, brothers, sisters, I love you. We have to get a hold of this. This is where the Christian life is lived, right here. Oh, I just want to say, God bless you. I'll turn the time back to Aaron. Thank you for sharing and for taking the time to be here and uh, spending time with us. I was challenged and one thing that stood out was there's, there's a huge difference between religion being religious um, and being a Christian. I mean, you look at like the Muslims and there's Buddhists, there's so many people that are so much more zealous and intentional about their religion, yet they don't have a relationship with God. Um, that was a challenge to me. So in, in closing, why don't we stand and let's sing the song, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see, and then ears, what you hear, and mind, what you think.